Here we are, 92,000 Hours, Season 3. I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb. You know, when we started this podcast, we had no idea where we were heading. We just knew we were looking forward to the journey. And today, for our first episode of Season 3, I am so excited to welcome Lee Payne. And it's so fitting that he's kicking things off with me for this season, because he and I have a history of kicking things off together. Almost two decades ago, Lee and I worked together as founders of the Alumni Mentoring Program at Westminster College, and we even talk about that a little bit during this episode. Lee is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at NLINKS, and he's also a husband, a dad, and a committed community member. He was awarded the Distinguished Alumni Award at Westminster, and he holds both bachelor's and master's degrees. And today, Lee is talking to us about priorities. If you have trouble taking on too much or learning how to say no, this is the episode for you. All right, so um, as you know, Lee, this is actually your question, but I have so enjoyed asking every single person that has been on this podcast this question as a way to start the conversation. Uh, I think it of course, just gets us to the essence of who people are. And so I know you have this and I've heard your answer in my life, but it could change. So, um, so tell us the answer to that whole boil it down to who you are question, which is if you remove all things, work, volunteerism, sports, church, all of the things that we talk about when we say, what do you do? Um, what are you most proud of as a human being in terms of who you are? I think there's two or three things that come to mind. The the first is uh, my family, uh, my wife Jessica and our kids, Clara and Colin, and and I think for any parent, uh, you you don't realize what that means until they actually arrive and you start spending time with them and <clears throat> you see them uh, go through the different stages of life and and you see their successes and their failures and their struggles and their questions. And, and so I really, I classify myself as, as a husband and a, a dad. And I think that's where I spend the majority of my focused thought is on how to uh, do well in, in both of those areas. But in addition to that, I would also say that in more recent years, I find myself focusing a lot on how to just be helpful be helpful to society, be a helpful human, be kind, be compassionate. Um, and, and so that's a, a newer one for me since maybe you last heard me speak about this, but, but I spend a lot of time thinking about that. That's really and, and, and doing that. <laughs> so tell me about that. Like, how do you put that into work that, I mean, do you wake up in the morning and say, how can I be helpful today? Or do you just yeah. reflect on how you were? Or like, how do you actually operationalize that? It's, I think it's it's those things you mentioned and a couple of others. Um, um, a couple of months ago, we go to Sundance every summer with my in-laws and, and rent a cabin for a few days. And it was great family time. But I was shopping around at the, the gift store at Sundance uh, this, this last trip. And I found a little journal that inscribed on the cover says, this is your one good thought of the day journal. And so just a few days ago, actually, I started doing that and jotting down every day, one good thing that happened. So some of those are things that happened to me. Some of those are things that I've, I've done for other people. And, and that's really interesting and also forces the, 
the reminder, right? The good things are happening every day. And, and it's really easy to get really cynical in today's world. And we're blitzed with, with everything that's wrong and all the problems we're dealing with and on and on and on. So, so that's a little thing that I do probably as much for myself as anyone else, right? And is just to remember like, yeah, there's good things happening, right? Let, let's not forget that. I think that's interesting because it kind of goes along with what we want to talk about. So today, the underlying conversation, the theme that we want to talk about is priorities. And of course, it's lovely that you'll, you're willing to talk about that with me. And I was thinking, um, so as I was thinking about this and preparing the questions, I was thinking, you know, um, maybe it's just me and maybe I'm giving away something about myself here, but I've been thinking that like, we talk about, I feel like we talk about priorities in our society. a lot. Like I hear it a lot. People talk about what we prioritize and we need to set priorities and it happens at work and it happens when we listen to the news and it happens to, in conversations with people. I, you know, these are my priorities or, Oh, we have to figure out our priorities. But I think it's so it's almost so prevalent that the word may have almost lost its meaning because yeah. um and so as i was thinking about that word. yeah um i was thinking so i looked it up i was like so a priority is a fact or a condition that is regarded or treated as more important so thank you dictionary.com that's where i got it but <laughs> you know like i like that they say a fact or a condition so that's really fascinating right there um and anyway, so I think face value, we probably know what it means, but I also don't know that we as individuals, and this could be me, um, do the act of prioritization very well. Mm -hmm. you, you, like the, when yeah. we're actually, when the verb happens, we're not so great. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, what are your thoughts on yeah. that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I generally agree with you that that it's become a fashionable word, right? An overused word. I, I feel like it's the same thing that's happened to the word authenticity. It's yeah. very fashionable for a long time. And I'm, I'm not sure we appreciate what that's supposed to mean anymore. But, but prioritization for me takes on a lot of forms, right? And, and I think at the core, maybe a, a root cause of, of perhaps why it's become more superficial in, in terms of the actionable part of the word is, is I think we're just a very busy society and there's a lot of pressure from a lot of forces, meaning, right. If you're a professional, you have obligations at work, you have commitments that you've made, you have maybe commitments that have been placed on you by coworkers and colleagues. I think all of us at some level apply self-imposed pressure and maybe that's legitimate, maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think just society in general, you know, there's, there's expectations that are placed on us by our, our neighbors, our communities, our, our broader communities. And, and so I think that all of us at some level are trying to juggle all of that. And, and so, right, if I spin that and say, okay, well, what are your priorities? I don't know that any of us, or, or I shouldn't say that, I don't know that many of us spend dedicated time really thinking about what are my priorities. I think we get trapped in saying, well, you know, these are my work priorities and these are my family obligations and priorities. And, you know, these are my personal priorities. And it's like, well, okay, just across those three, if you have three in each, now you have 10 priorities, right? Yeah. 
that that's not prioritizing. <laughs> that's that's saying here's all the stuff that I need to do or I want to do or I should do or I could do. That's different than prioritizing what's important to you. And and I would argue that there's really not a separation in those buckets. If you think of your life holistically and you're saying, okay, what's important to me? What are my priorities? Well, one of them might be family for me. I know it is for me. One of them might be career and the type of career that I want. Uh, Another of them might be that I want to be a respected member of my community or of my religion or whatever it may be. Um, But I, I wouldn't place them in different buckets. I would just say as a human, this is what's important to me. And I'm going to try and prioritize my life, meaning my days, my activities, my thought, what I do with my time in these areas. And, and I personally, again, going back to one of my mentors, uh, a different one that I mentioned earlier, uh, he made a comment to me that over the course of his life, and he was probably in his fifties at the time that he determined he could handle three or sometimes four things at any given time and do well at them and, and be fulfilled and, and satisfied as a human and feel like he had some good balance in his life. And that stuck with me. And, and so I try to have three or sometimes four things that are actually important to me where I, I place my time and focus and energy. And when I have to make life decisions, I go back to that hierarchy and that's how I make decisions. And, and for me, that, that works. Uh, for a lot of people, I don't know if that works. <laughs> I, I feel like, so, I mean, one of the things that with you, that I feel like the, your act of prioritization that you, you actually doing it. I remember the first time I, like you did that with me when one of the first times that you and I really had a conversation and I was used to asking people to do things for me yeah. um, and cajoling them into doing it. And you, <laughs> which you're very good at, by the way. <laughs> And you would not be budged. And I remember at the beginning, you just said to me, no. And I was like, whoa, people are not you. Like, we don't usually hear people are not really comfortable saying no. And you were. And I remember it just shocked me, but also intrigued me because I thought, oh, my gosh, that's fascinating. And I remember your answer when I because I I asked you to do some volunteer work and um, you said, uh, I only have time for three things. And you said, and I remember because you said my family comes first, then my career. And then I have time to do one act of volunteer, like one commitment to volunteerism during the course of the year. And I've already made that commitment. So I can't commit to another one because then the other things would falter. And so I'm sorry, no. And I remember thinking, I need to get this guy in my head to help me do that. But also the clarity with that, because it's like that, that clarity was so kind and there's not a, like, it totally made sense to me that I'm not going to try to cajole him at all. He already knew what his priorities were. And I'm interested in how, how we can help people with that. And as you and I worked with college students, I feel like that really stuck with them that it was something they could do. Well, I think a part of it is what I mentioned with pressure. And I think the reason that most people won't say no, even when they want to say no, is because they feel pressure. 
And, and that might be because they're used to being an ambitious, high-performing person, and that's what they've been built up to be their entire lives. I agree. And, and so it's almost as if the act of saying no is a failure to them, right? As opposed to, I'm spread so thin that nothing gets done well, but somehow that doesn't get viewed as a failure, right? But, but saying no to something does. <laughs> um, and, I really and think of- that's so important too, like just like, you know, putting a pin in that because with all of the people, I mean, so many of us do that. Yeah. So, and, and to be clear, I'm guilty of that too. It's, you know, I, I can talk about all of this, but it certainly doesn't mean that I'm perfect at all times <laughs> in my life. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a part of it is, is just pressure that we all feel. And again, societal self-imposed, maybe legitimately from, from others in your, your community. Um, so I think that's a part of it, but, I, but in terms of, you know, how do we help people, uh, maybe implement this or something like this to, to help them? I, I really think it, it comes down to two things. One of which is dedicated thought. And, and you sort of opened up this segment by saying, okay, you know, here's the definition of priorities and, you know, what does this at all mean? Well, everybody has to decide that for themselves, uh, him, him or herself. So here's what my priorities are and actually spending time thinking about that. And, and you've heard me mention this before, but one way that I do that is, is what I call the obituary view. And I fast forward to, right. I've lived a good life, hopefully. And now I'm gone <laughs> and someone's going to write an obituary for me. Maybe there is a memorial service for me. And I really think about at that time, what do I want people to say about me? What do I want them to remember about me and how I live my life? And if one of your priorities is, hey, I'm a doctor and I want to be a world-class doctor, and therefore I'm going to have to work 80 to 100 hours a week for most of my life, but that's what I want. That's okay, right? And, and you shouldn't let anybody tell you differently. But I would also argue that you need to think about those trade-offs. You, you become the world-class doctor, but you might not be a good family person. And you might not be involved in your community at all. And you might not really spend any time doing things of leisure, right? And if you're good with that, then great, right? I'm not going to criticize you. And I hope that no one else would either. But that dedicated thought and perhaps equally important is what are the priorities and what are the trade-offs? And as you're setting those priorities, don't be naive in thinking that somehow your life is going to be viewed through rose-colored lenses all the way through because it won't be. And, and speaking from personal experience, I know that I have missed out on some wonderful career opportunities. I know I've missed out on uh, maybe opportunities to join boards, nonprofit and for-profit, right? And, and so there are things that early in my career, I really viewed as kind of milestones and achievements, things like I just mentioned, that as I got into this and really thought about it, I'm like, it's not that I'm not interested in those things and that I wouldn't do them, but if they don't fit into the priority schema, then they just don't fit. Right. And, and I think that gets back to the discomfort a lot of people have in saying no, and, and, and it being viewed as a failure is it's like, I'm missing out on something. There's an opportunity cost there. It's like, well, that might be true, but if it's not in line with what you say, what you claim, what hopefully you believe your priorities are, then that's okay. 
I think that you'll like this because look what I brought. I have, this is actually by my desk upstairs where I work all day. <laughs> the, the priority jar. <laughs> yep, exactly. As a reminder, it's heavy too. Um, and I think, I mean, I, it surprises me how many people don't know the whole big rocks uh, yeah. exercise. Yeah. And I try to instill that. And so I wonder for you what the big rocks exercise looks like for you. Like, I, you know you're the, you're the, you're the king of the big rocks exercise. Nobody does it better than you. So could you use a little bit of your, how you do that with your life as an example of how individuals can kind of yeah. walk through the thinking about what really matters? Well, you know, it's, I, I think it's a great object lesson, right. Mm -hmm. to, to help us all understand that there's a million things every day that we all do, most of which we don't think about because they're more routine than anything else. Right. And, and that's the mundane. It, it's the, you know, taking care of the dishes and taking out the garbage and, you know, running the kids to their activities and whatever it is. And, and I wouldn't categorize those as the big rocks, right? There, there's all things that we all have to do every day, regardless of whether we want to do them or not. It's just, yeah. it's, it's how the world goes round. Um, but you really you have know, to brush your teeth, right? <laughs> I really need a cup of coffee every morning to start yeah. my day. That's just, that's not an option. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you get, you know, deeper into the object lesson, right. And, and with the big rocks and, and the point of his course is if we're not careful we're back to what I call dedicated thought about this, if you're not careful, you can fill up your life, right. Metaphorically, the jar with the rocks in it, with all the small stuff. And you can have a solid 16, 18 hour day every day where you're doing nothing other than the small stuff and maybe a couple of medium sized rocks. And, and really what we're talking about is flipping that upside down and saying, instead of filling up your bucket, right, your life with all these pebbles and all these granules of sand and everything else, put the big rocks in there first. And again, you know, spend some quality time really thinking about what those are for you. I would argue probably not more than three or four. And then whatever capacity you have left then you can look at your medium rocks and you're going to have to have some of those pebbles and some of those granules of sand because those are washing the clothes every week. So you got clean clothes that's getting gas in the car so you can get to work and back. Right. So it's, it's not an argument of you can just forget about those things. You can't, but you can place emphasis on what actually matters and then fill in the, the gaps with the things that are less important. I think those gaps, those less important things can like, so creep up to getting bigger and you have to uh, step back and do it again and remind <laughs> yourself because as you were talking, I, I, I was thinking, oh, I know this and I'm not doing it right as well as I want to right now. <laughs> well, I, I, maybe it's because I've, I've implemented this in my life for a long time that I, I don't find that I often have to remind myself of things. It's, I know what's important to me and, and without really thinking about it, that's what happens. And, and so little examples are uh, generally I'm the one that takes my kids to school in the morning and we have a little routine. And as they're getting out of the car, I say, so how's your day going to go today? And I train them essentially when they're very young. And the answer is it's going to go good. I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have fun. And I love you. And then I tell them that I love them and they go on with their day. And we've done it for so many years now that 
we all kind of laugh about it. And it's kind of a cheesy little thing that we do in the school parking lot. But it's one of those memories that we'll all have forever. And it has an important message, which is stay focused on these things, right? There's going to be some ebb and flow in your day. But at the end of it, if you can accomplish these three things and you know that I love you and you love me, that's a good place to be. Awesome. Right? And, and, and so it's, it's little things like that that become routine that for me, it's connected to one of my big rocks in and of itself. It's probably a pebble, but it's connected to the big rock and it happens every day, part routine and, and part because it's fun and it's cheesy. <laughs> I kind of, and, and it's, and that's what dads are supposed to do. I'm like, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> so you're also aligning with that, like silly dad jokey kind of thing, um, but doing it in a good way. I, I think this aligns with a question I had, which is, is it, well, I'll ask it because it's already laden with its own judgment within the question, but is it possible to really understand our priorities or to really prioritize without understanding our values and what we value? Well, I I would say that the superficial answer is yes, right? I mean, anybody can, you know, get a piece of paper and say, well, here's what matters, right? And I can write that down and here I go. Um, but isn't that more like a to-do list? I don't know. Yeah. No, it, it is. But but I guess my point on this is, it, it, I've said it a few times now, it's back to the dedicated thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a gentleman we both know, Mike Bills, I don't think he'd mind being mentioned. <laughs> um, he made a comment in, in a cohort that he and I belonged to 20 years ago. And we were, I don't know, maybe halfway through this, this process. And, and he made a comment one day and he said, you know, this is the only time that I carve out to think about me and my life. And I'm like, isn't that interesting, right? For you and I that know Mike and, and his accomplishments and, and his passion and, and determination in life right? It's like, hmm, that really struck me at the time because he was the same way 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it obviously has stuck with me because I think, man, are we really that busy and that focused on outcomes, right? What we would call successes and achievements and progress and ambition and all those kinds of words that we actually don't take any time to really think about what do I value to your point? And are my values aligned with how I live my life or set another way, my priorities in life? And, and sadly, I don't think that a lot of people are there, not because they're not capable, but because they don't carve out some dedicated time to really think about "Hmm, where am I at? Do I like where I'm at? If I don't like where I'm at, or I feel misaligned, why is that? What should I do about it? And then, and something I've always admired about you is I think that for a lot of people, it's scary to actually change, right? I think a lot of people can identify intrinsically like, you know, this is out of whack and I don't like it. It might be a bad relationship or it might be, you know, I really hate my job, but I feel locked in because of the money I make or whatever it is, right? But to actually make that change that's hard. Right. And that's, that's scary. And, and so a few minutes ago, you asked me about, uh, you know, kind of how can we help people that are listening, 
maybe implement this if it's meaningful to them. And, and one of the things I'd mentioned connected to this is, right, the value in the experience. And going back to your example of when I told you no, right, it's, it's like I knew because I'd done it many times before then that it's okay. Most people are like, well, all right, that didn't work out the way that I wanted, but he's still a good guy and I'll see him around and, you know, we'll have a drink and we'll catch up and whatever. And that's great. Right. Occasionally there'll be people that really won't like it and, and you probably won't see him around anymore and that's okay. Right. So, so I would suggest to people that it's the outcome is probably not as bad and as scary as you think when you start maybe uh, giving things lower priority in your life or maybe cutting them out altogether. I think there's a perception that that's just this big, scary, horrible thing that's going to somehow mess up my life. And that's just not been my experience. And the, and the other thing I would offer on that point is, uh, you know, the, the idea of a personal board of directors is, is not new. That's been out there for a long time. But I think that's also important with things like this is who are your two or three or four people that will be brutally honest with you? And, and they'll have the uncomfortable conversations with you if you've committed to them that you're going to make certain changes and, or you're going to, you know, you're revamping your priorities. You want those people to be aware of that and you want them to hold you accountable and say, hey, Annalisa, you told me you were, you know, going to make this change or that change, but that's not happening. That's not what I'm seeing. <laughs> And, and right, it obviously doesn't have to be mean or critical or anything like that, but these are trusted advisors in your life whose value you opinion or whose opinions you value and who you trust, right? And you know that what they say is coming from a good place and it's well-meaning. And I think that's another tool that people can use to, to, to really uh, catalyze them and, and keep them on track when it, when it comes to making changes like this. I think that's important. And I want to make sure that we come back to that idea of personal board of directors and how that can help you with your priorities. But I also want to go to priorities and values and kind of at work because I had read this article that was actually a military article. It was in like the military times or something. So that was interesting to me, but it was about uh, the person wrote that there's a difference between priorities and values at work. And the person wrote a whole thing saying safety is not a priority. It's a value because it will, because some, our priorities might change uh, on the battlefield here, like, but safety yeah. will never change. It has to be so deeply embedded in our culture that, that it's even bigger than a priority. And so it just made me think there's not a lot of, we always talk about values and culture at work. And then we do priorities. And my experience of priorities at work often is we say we're prioritizing, but what we're actually doing is creating lumped lists. Like we're not taking actually anything away. We're just lumping them into groups and calling that prioritizing. <laughs> Which I've been guilty of that plenty of times in my life. It's, <laughs> you know, back to being too busy and, and taking on too much. I, I think everyone is guilty of that at, at some level. Um, you know, but as I was listening, it, it's interesting to me that I asked myself the question, can you value something that's not a priority in your life? And, and I went into it thinking, well, no. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, actually, yes. And, and as an example, I value having a healthy environment. 
but I'm not actively out there fighting the fight, right. To have cleaner air or to whatever I do. I do my part. I do little things on a day-to-day basis, but it's not a priority for me in terms of where I'm allocating, you know, in my list of three or four. And, and, and so that's interesting, right. That, that I think you can value a lot of things and a lot of people who are not a priority for you in, in the way that we've been talking about priorities. And, and so then I flip the question around and say, well, can I, can I, you know, place a top three priority on something that I don't value? And I think the answer to that is no, because when I think to, of my top three, right, I value all of that for sure. And, and so it, it's, it's really kind of a thought provoking, you know, question to think, think about it from both perspectives. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I also think that the more aligned those are probably the the better you feel about how you're spending your your time and your effort. Um, it, it, it seems to me that if you're prioritizing things that you don't really value, that you're going to have a little bit of that emptiness inside, or you're going to maybe feel a little bit bitter because you, at some point you realize you're spending a whole bunch of time and energy on something that you don't really care about uh, or don't care about it as much as you thought you did. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe a better way to frame that is, as you realize those things, maybe that's a, a trigger to say, hmm, I better spend some time and rethink what my priorities are because I know this one doesn't feel good to me or, or maybe it's run its course, right? I, I, that's happened to me. And I think it happens to most people that, you know, something you might value for a long time, life changes. And, yeah. and so all of a sudden, you know, maybe yeah. what was in the number one spot becomes the number three spot, or maybe something drops off the list altogether. And that could also be because something else has come out of left field that you're really into, right? And and so I, I think it's important to recognize that, uh, you know, I, I not by design, but but I think I probably speak about these things in such a definitive way that it might inadvertently suggest that you set your list and that's your list, and that's not the case at all. I mean, life life happens, right? And 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 our our priorities will change for sure. And I so feel I, like. The way that you describe this is super interesting because those big rocks, I do think, are based upon like every time we've had those conversations with individuals about what are the big rocks in your life, it really, it's almost always at least one of those rocks is relational, right? Like, I I, I don't know that I've ever experienced anyone having a, a lack of something that is either a family friendships, um, like something in there, uh, partner that's going to be really their dog, right? Like something's going to be relational in one of your, if you have your top three big rocks or your top two or four or whatever. Um, and then others have to do like, the more I think about it, like there's always like this relational piece. And then there's one that's like purpose, like what, like, why am I here? (laughs) Yeah. So what like and whether it's like your career or your learning or your uh, religious stuff, like what's the stuff that's why I'm here? I feel like those two things are almost always there, and there's got to be I don't even know, but I would bet that it's interesting that there they probably are value laden in some way, like what you value in your life. But it might even uh, be universal the way that you were talking about, like over time, we all care about. <laughs> certain, we all want to be good people. We want to be a good neighbor. We want to have friendships, you know? Yeah. Well, I I think 
you know, in the core of some of that is, you know, just to our basic nature as humans, we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. We're meant to be connected. We're meant to engage with each other. And right. You, you could have a whole nother podcast series on that, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. right. But, but in our core and, you know, and it, in my view, it leads to some of the challenges we have societally today is that we're, we're getting more disconnected um, as opposed to more connected. If any of this resonates for you and you want to dig in further, we wrote a blog with directions on how to prioritize. Just head on over to connectioncollaborative.com slash blog slash priorities. Do the exercise on core values and priorities and let us know what you think. For now, let's just jump back in. So talk to me a little bit about um, how you uh, express your values at work. Have you had, you know, like when you're doing your priority? <laughs> now, now we're getting tough. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, but that's a place uh, underneath it all. This podcast is about how, I, which I thank you when, at the beginning when you're like, it's all life because I, yeah. I believe that too. Uh, it's too difficult to compartmentalize ourselves. Of course we have to, and because it's all one life and we don't have very many hours in it. So let's live it well and let's figure out purpose and meaning. And so the idea of how our, of course, our, our own personal values are going to show up at work that like your work's going to say, probably here are corporate values or here are like, they'll tell you what they are, but if we don't internalize them or if we disagree or if ours are different than theirs, it's a hard place to be. And it affects our ability to prioritize our work, I'll bet you. My hope is, and I think you see a lot more of this in today's corporate world than than you have historically, is there's a lot more emphasis on these things. And there's a lot more emphasis on what I'll call the open culture, right? So that come to us, you know, go to your manager, go to your supervisor, go to your VP, you know, whatever it is, and, and talk about these things. So I think that's a big step in the right direction in terms of providing an environment where you truly feel safe expressing discontent. And in my experience, I've, I've been in both. I've, I've been in organizations where I did feel that trust and I felt like I had those relationships and you could have difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. Nobody was offended by it. Everybody looked at it through what I'll call an academic lens. It's like, okay, here's kind of the facts, right? And and here's one side of the argument. Here's the other one. And where are we going to land, right? Those work well for me. And I I think they're overall very healthy. I've been on the flip side, which is where you don't feel that trust, or maybe it's a highly political organization. You've got to be very careful about what you say to who, because you don't know how it's going to matriculate through the the corporate hierarchy. and sadly, in those environments, I probably have not uh, stepped up. I've not expressed 
uh, hey, like we really seem to be screwing up here or hey, you know, I think we're missing a big opportunity here. And, and that's a, a personal failure on my side that kind of grinds on me. But I also think it's honest in that we all have the pressures of, okay, right? Like if the economy just tanked and this is what we got and there's not a whole lot of opportunity out there right now, then maybe I have to play the game for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think we're all, you know, guilty of that at, at some level. Um, but I, I would argue that has more to do with the corporate culture and environment that's been set by the people who are in leadership roles, as opposed to other employees, you know, even that are in some leadership roles uh, that, that don't feel like they are in a place where they can express that without some serious repercussions. I feel like the, uh, as time has gone on, you know, the, the workplace of the past where my parents worked, we, you know, it was like the, the priority for employees was employment, right? Like yeah. I, I have a job and I have security, like stability and security. I feel like was the priority. And then for my age, it was more like, um, I think my work, my age started to get a little bit more about work-life balance and some of that, like, yeah. And I'm going to leave if you don't pay me appropriately, or it was less about stability and more about kind of like respect or something. Like I need yeah. to have respect and a little bit more autonomy. Yeah. Um, Should and that, yeah. And then, yeah, maybe it was, maybe it's fairness. I don't, and then I feel like the, my daughter's age, as she's coming out of college, it's really, I feel like she's saying a lot more about those things are given now. Um, and in fact, I don't care about stability as much. I care about fairness, but now I also really want to make sure I have purpose. And it's clear that right. like that where I align with the purpose of this work is really clear for me. Right. And, and I, I would agree with you and it's, and I feel that. At, at some level. And I think for me, it's not generational. I think it's, I'm deep enough, far enough into my career now, back to priorities. What matters to me on the professional side is much, much different than what mattered to me even five years ago. And, and, you know, part of that's age, part of that's just different worldview, right? Circumstances yeah. change. Um, but, but I am far more concerned moving forward with the people I'm working with and the opportunity that we have and kind of what the day-to-day -day life looks like than I am with how much money I'm going to make or, right, is there, you know, three rungs on the ladder that I can ascend in the next two years, um, right? That, that was definitely me for most of my career. Um, and and I, I would suspect in part that's because of your daughter's generation, right? They're, they're forcing change. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm at the level in the hierarchy now where I have to facilitate and accommodate that change, but it also changes you. Into me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Just, you know, as things flow and, and it's obviously dynamic and, and your daughter's generation and, and my children as well being a little bit younger, but they are far more concerned with making an impact on the world. Yep. And, and they are far more concerned with the 
uh, what I'll call the global state of affairs than they are with, you know, what does this mean to me? Yeah, I think I, what does this mean to me is, is implied in there, but that's just kind of assumed that if I do these things, I'll be fine. <laughs> I think <laughs> where, that's where, right. And, and it probably gets me to my, I just want to ask you a question about um, our like bigger society priorities. Um, yeah. What are, I, I don't even know what my question is, but I think <laughs> I'm always, because I'm thinking about, you know, I feel like we have societal priorities that are playing out in like, here are these priorities and here are these priorities. And they're so different when we know that we're more like as humans, like you said, at the beginning of this, we're more similar than we are different. But I feel like our society is taking us into thinking that our priorities face other directions. I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) I, I, I think I know what, what you're asking about and, you know, we, we've heard it for years now that, you know, how divisive American society is right now. And, and maybe globally, I, I don't know for sure, but, uh, you know, we've, we've all heard that we've all read about I, it. I went to a, I went to a luncheon two days ago where a person has written a book about this, um, and went back and looked at economics and yeah. uh, culture and all sorts of uh, aspects of American society and has determined that we have not been so divided. The last time we were this divided was the civil war. Yeah. And, and I, that doesn't surprise me, you know, that people who are doing this research and, and really digging in or, are coming to that conclusion. I, I think the, the difference now compared to, to then is it, it feels to me like we're, we're living in a time when the instant access to information, but not having the, as I said earlier, the critical thinking skills to determine what matters and what doesn't, right? What's truth and what's not. And, you know, I've, I've heard the term cancel culture, which really doesn't mean anything to me. I, that's a confusing term to me. I, I don't feel like we're trying to cancel each other out. I feel like we're just bickering <laughs> and we bicker about everything, right? And COVID certainly hasn't helped that. I, I think it has us all more edgy and, and less willing to be tolerant and patient and, and good listeners, right? Um, but what I'm reminded of is I, I just had a, a after work drink and a snack with a friend a couple of days ago, brilliant, brilliant guy. And I sat there listening we're just chit-chatting about different things. And I'm like, see, these people are still out there, <laughs> right? And, and I think that the large majority <laughs> of us do behave that way, but we have this, all of this information and the inability to process it accordingly. I, I really do think that's a part of the problem. And for me, it goes back to two things. My dad used to say all the time, right? Common sense. And I feel like as a society, we're, we're so lost in trying to be granular and sophisticated and complex and data modeling and all AI, all this stuff, right? And I'm like, have, have we just simply lost sight of common sense? Because a lot of the arguments I hear a lot of the things I read, I watch very little television. 
but when I occasionally do, I'm reminded of why I don't because I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on here? So, so I really do wonder about that, right? It, have we just lost sight of good old fashioned common sense? Does this make sense? <laughs> um, so that's one element of it. The I think the other element is no matter what you want to believe, you have an endless supply of information to support your position. And I would argue that it's intellectual laziness and people for whatever reason, whatever sort of set of circumstances, right? They're unhappy with their life situation. They're blaming others, right? And I mean, we could go on and on. Anybody could name countless examples of this. And instead of saying, hmm, what can I do about this, right? What's my culpability in my circumstances, right? More importantly, what are the things I can do to improve my circumstances? It seems to me that instead they play the blame game and they, again, have an endless supply of information to support whatever they've predetermined is the reason why. And, and again, I, I just classify that as intellectual laziness. I also think it has so much to do. And, and that's like the whole Brene Brown thing that it has to do with our blame is the way that we um, discharge yeah. our fear. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that I, no wonder we're blaming each other so much for COVID. We're all afraid. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and I mean, even before COVID, you know, it, it was a lot about the socioeconomic circumstances yeah. of a lot of people and, and, right? I, I'm certainly not passing judgment. There's a whole host of reasons that people can be in a difficult situation, some of which they may have had no control over. Right? Yeah. I, I'm not naive to that, but I, I feel like a big difference between when I was a kid and, and the messages that I, I think back on now that my parents and the broader community and just my friends, right? Just the, the environment we were raised in feels to me like it was a lot more about how do you, how are you going to take care of you? Right. What are you going to do about your problems? <laughs> right. Your problems didn't become everybody else's problems. You, you didn't have a whole bunch of people that huddled around you and, and gave you all of the answers. There was much more of an expectation of, we'll we'll help you. We'll talk with you. Right. But it's kind of, it's, it's on you. <laughs> you go figure this out. And, and that's just, not the feel that I, I get in today's world. I, I get much more of the blame feel. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not that, you know, we didn't blame people when I was a kid or, you know, you get in trouble for this or that, right. That was your, your default answer. <laughs> well, so-and-so, yeah. right. And, and, but it wasn't tolerated at, at least in my family and, and the environment I grew up in. Um, so, right. Just hypothesizing, but, but those are some of the things that I, I see that feel different to me than 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, and before that, I think. It's really interesting to think about that and how we will, how our society develops priorities over time and, uh, and how that plays out in our own lives, even though we might not be the decision makers about what is the priority in our society. I also want to make sure that I ask you, I want to go back to something that you said earlier that I said I would go back to, and it was the, um, the comment you made about personal board of directors. And yeah. I, as you know, deeply believe in the role that mentors play in our lives. And um, so I wanted to ask you about that, but with the, with the view of a personal board of directors, could you tell us just to talk to the listeners a little bit about 
what that means, the idea of your personal board of directors, how, like how you may have created that for yourself. Um, and then third, like, tell us, a, tell us, you know, who you respect and why, like, what are the characteristics of the individuals that might be on your personal board of directors? That's great, great set of questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so first off, what it, what it means to me, I think in, in the simplest form, it's a group of people that you trust and you value their insight and opinions. And sometimes those are specifically about me, right? What's going on in my life and things that I'm challenged with and, and grappling with. Other times it's just life, like the conversation we were just having, right? Like, yeah. you know, let's talk with some intelligent people who have some interesting thought and perspective on what's going on out there. I, those are the kind of things that I, I value, um, you know, intellect, honesty, authenticity, um, probably those three more than, than anything else. Um, you know, in, in terms of, um, I think your second one was how, how, how did you, how did I do that? How do I, yeah. Like how do, how can a person actually get a personal word? Like, yeah, we can talk about it, but I think in real life, like (laughs) then what, how do I do this? Right. So, so for me, I had the benefit of, of having mentoring, um, when I was a young man and, and, um, and so that was a catalyst for me, right? I, I, I really had the benefit of spending time with some really great people over the course of an academic year. And, and so uh, two or three of those have, I've stayed in touch with. And, and one point that I would make is, you know, the term makes it sound like it's this really formalized, like we get together once a month and right. We sit around. Somebody calls and, it to order. And-, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and, and for me, it's not that at all. It, it's much more of a, I've, I've had opportunities in the past to develop relationships with these people, some in formalized environments, some just people I've met over time that, that you develop a close relationship with. Um, and so I'll reach out to them when I have questions. And it's not that we all come together, right, with our secret handshake. And <laughs> right, it's, it's not that. It's I send an email or I make a phone call or, you know, some combination and, you know, and we just, we discuss whatever is going on. And, and it's been very selfish, frankly. Uh, you know, it's, it's when something's happening with me, <laughs> right. And, and for most of them, they're, they're much further along in life. And so I don't know that they need me in that capacity, right. They've got their own people that they, they engage with that way. Um, so I, I think in terms of, you know, how, how would listeners go about that? I think you just have to identify a list of people in your life that have the characteristics that you want in your personal board of directors. And, and again, I would recommend that there are people that will be honest with you, even when it's difficult, mm-hmm. that they'll be genuine and authentic in their relationship with, with you. And I would hope that they would be intelligent people who can offer diverse perspectives on whatever it is you're, you're discussing, because we all learn from that. I think everybody knows that, Uh, you know, and then of course, you know, other, other things that may be important to the listeners in terms of, of what they want in that group of people. Um, And then I think the third part of it was kind of, who are those people, uh, you know, in my life. Um, The characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mentioned a a couple uh, of my mentors, um, 
they have all of those things that I've mentioned in terms of characteristics, you know, the, the authenticity, the intellect, uh, wisdom, just a lot more life experience in their case than I have both business-wise as well as just life, <laughs> um, you know, and, and so they obviously have perspective and, and experience to share there. Uh, my wife is one of those people for me. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good day. You probably have a data. priority of doing something with a family member today that I'm getting in the way of. <laughs> Uh, soccer we got all kinds of stuff going on today, awesome so awesome well I've, I've really really enjoyed it it's uh i was excited when you reached out and it's caused me to think about things that i haven't thought about in a long time and i there are things that i enjoy thinking about and talking about so thanks for having me on i hope it was valuable for the listeners hope people can take a nugget or two away that's meaningful for them and, and uh yeah Stay well, everybody. Onward and upward, as I like to say. My deep appreciation to my friend Lee Payne. You can connect with him on LinkedIn. And we hope you take some time with that core values and priority work on our blog at connectioncollaborative.com. It's the first step in figuring out your own priorities. Next week, we'll be joined by Troy Hooten, entrepreneur, CPA, and comedian. Of course, we'll be talking about humor. Join us. <laughs>